Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. You know, each day on the I Work For Him show, we focus on discussions that are going to challenge the way you think about workplace ministry and your life in Christ. And today will be no different than any other day, except for it's going to be very different than any other day because we've never tackled subjects specifically related to women with two women running the conversation. We've got Mary Welshel, the president of the Christian Working Women Radio Ministry and Christian Working Women Ministry at Moody Church in Chicago coming to talk to us from a woman's perspective about healthy relationships with men on the job. And Martha and Mary are going to carry this conversation going. You know, it, it and I'm just going to be the sideline judge and, uh, and uh, you know, conversation guide, I guess, doing the ins and the outs. I really want you to hear from the hearts of both of these women. Mary Welshel, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Uh, thank you so much, Jim. It's a joy to be with you. I hope you feel that way at the end of the show. I always say that to my guests. I hope you feel, I hope you really are having fun today. All right. Today, today we're really talking about healthy workplace relationships between men and women, but really from a woman's perspective. But Mary, before we get into that conversation, I really want my listeners to hear from you on how Christ is making an impact in your life today. Oh, goodness. That would take a long time, but I'll try to shorten it. Um, I was raised in a wonderful Christian home down south in Georgia, but as I got into my uh, early 30s, um, I, I wandered far away from all I had known and loved about Jesus and 
spent 10 years doing my own thing, as we say, and desperately trying to um, find a man to marry me because I thought that life could not be happy without um, a husband. And then God moved me to Chicago um, as my daughter was entering her junior year of high school, where I really knew no one and was taking a new job. And um, I started going to a really good church there, the Moody Church. And long story short, God got hold of me, and I came to the place pretty quickly where I said, okay, um, no more straddling the fence, no more messing around. It is all out for Jesus. And I told the Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do, be anything you want me to be. Just give me peace in my life and let me serve you. I'll even be single forever, even though I thought that was going to be miserable. Uh, And so God began to really work in my life and change me, uh, dramatically change me. And uh, that was about 35 years ago. Can you believe it? And uh, so as I was listening to Christian radio back then, um, I noticed that nobody was really talking to me as a, a working woman. And I thought there ought to be a program on Christian radio that talked to Christians in the marketplace and help them to live out their faith on their job, the kind of thing you're doing, Jim. But there was nothing back then. And so I prayed and prayed about it. And again, very miraculously, God opened a door for me to begin our program, The Christian Working Woman, on one station here in Chicago once a week. I thought that was great. That was wonderful. I never dreamed it would ever be more. But it began to uh, it began to really reach out to people and and so eventually we added the daily program and uh, now we're on over 400 stations nationwide and actually internationally and that's uh, we just celebrated 30 years on the radio back in August so it's been a wonderful journey Jesus has uh, walked me through it all the way provided the resources and everything I've needed. Uh, it's not always been easy, but it's always been a joy and a thrill to to know that I'm in the place he wants me to be doing what he's called me to do. Well, and there's no question that being a single mom is the toughest thing ever. And doing it in Chicago when you grew up in the South, that <laughs> must have been really tough. Because Moody, Moody Church is right downtown, isn't it? It is. It was culture shock, I think, for our little Southern girl. I'm thinking it was weather shock for a Southern girl, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I grew up in Minneapolis, and so I understand cold, but yeah. Chicago cold, there's nothing worse than Chicago cold. Mm-hmm. It if, is windy. It, it's windy, and it's damp, mm-hmm. and oh. Yeah, when the wind is blowing between those buildings downtown Chicago, it is just rough. Makes you want to move there. So if you're looking for a job in Chicago, go right on up. <laughs> Great to go up there in October, a little rough in January. Okay, so how did you become, how did you end up becoming the lead women's pastor at Moody Church, though? I mean, how did that all happen? Because you didn't move up to Chicago thinking that's what you're going to be. Oh, no, no. But I got involved in the church when I got right with the Lord, and I began to start um I began with a Monday night Bible study in my home for a few women, and then I, I approached the elders and said, "There ought to be we ought to have something here that helps women who are in the workplace because not all women are staying home." And they said, "Go ahead." And I started a monthly luncheon program. Uh, this was before the radio program, um, and uh, that just took off. And for many years, I uh, I had a monthly luncheon at the church. Um, for we called it women in the working world and then we started the radio program and that really really grew and then about 
I think it's about 17 years ago, they asked me if I would come on staff and, and be the director of the women's ministries at the church. And that's when I finally left corporate America and uh, just had the two jobs of running the ministry here and running uh, the ministry for the women at the church. So it's been a great it's been a great privilege to to be the the leader of the women at that church. I I love my job. <laughs> That's such an awesome feeling. Hi, Mary. This is Martha. Hey, Martha. <laughs> oh, how sis- cute is that? Mary and Martha. Isn't that okay. great? I actually have a sister, Mary, so I'm very comfortable with having uh-huh. a Mary in my life. So. All right. And they fit the role, too. <laughs> they, are, they are the Mary and the Martha of the Bible. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, you know, we Jim had mentioned earlier that your... Um, Christian Working Women broadcast is on over 400 radio stations nationwide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you could just share a little bit with everybody about what kind of impact that you are hearing is happening mm-hmm. because of that. Well, you know, um, Martha, my, my messages and my uh, my approach is extremely practical, and it's just simply to take the Word of God and talk about how it applies to everyday life, especially everyday life in the marketplace. And most of it comes, of course, with how God has dealt with me and what he's been teaching me and all the failures and mistakes I've made, etc. And so I just began addressing real-life issues like dealing with a difficult boss, like when you have coworkers that uh, that are lazy, <laughs> like uh, mm. uh, the kind of attitude you need to have toward your job. What does the Bible say about that? And, Oh my goodness! The you know the list goes on. Uh, in these thirty years, there's not many topics that I haven't addressed, and um, and many many of those topics deal with relationships because relationships are the core of just about everything we do. Getting along with people and learning how to deal with people. So um, I know that through the years, God has uh, sent people to you know to just let me know that that this kind of practical teaching really does help them, that they find it really helpful to know how do you walk this walk of faith? What does it mean in everyday life uh, to put your, uh, to die to yourself, as the Bible says? What does it mean in everyday life to um, be dead to self and alive to Christ? You know, what does that look like? And so I've just tried the best I can to to make it very practical and easy to understand so that the Word of God can become alive in our lives. Mm-hmm. And people can find out more about your ministry at christianworkingwomen.woman, excuse me, christianworkingwoman.org, christianworkingwoman.org. All right, Mary, we got to take a break. But when we come back, I really want to start getting deep into that conversation about how do, they have, how do men and women have healthy workplace relationships. All right, we just got started talking with Mary Welshall, the president of Christian Working Women radio ministry and we're getting ready to get into the conversation on from a woman's perspective how do we have healthy workplace relationships with men on the job and if you want to participate in today's discussion call into the studio line 855-265-2929 855-265-2929 or you can text us on the show 727-487-9863 727-487-9863 but before we get back to our conversation as always it's time for our book highlight 
Spotlight segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Karis Christian Books and Gifts have been part of the Largo community for over 29 years. Located in the center of First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Ulmerton Road in Largo, their 2,400 square foot store is open to the public seven days a week. That's right. Check them out online at shopcaris.com. That's shop. Karis, C-H-A-R-I-S. Be the first person to call into the studio. Actually, we've got two books to give away today, both by Mary Walshall. Be the first and second person to call into the studio line today at 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. And we will send you a copy of these books, complimentary of Mary Walshall and Karis Christian Books and Gifts. The books today are, we've given away two of the same books, Think About What You Think About. Let Christ Transform Your Thought Life by Mary Welshel. What do you think about? Are your thoughts often out of control? Bring, bringing every thought into captivity to conform with the way Jesus would think is seldom practiced by Christians, and yet it holds the key to victory in all areas of our lives. Mary's book helps you make this principle a reality in your life, and each chapter ends with practical think about it section for discussion and implementation. Mary, I gotta ask you. Why did you write this book? Because that was the first really basic principle that God began to teach me as I came back into, into fellowship to live my life for Him, that everything begins in your thought life. And He began to show me how out of control much of my thinking was, that it was not in line with Scripture, that I allowed my thoughts to go places they should never go. And so I began to truly practice these principles and learn how to bring every thought into captivity and and it is transformational. There's just there's just nothing like it, and uh, it's still a, a principle I have to remember to practice. But <laughs> yeah, that's it, where the book came from. It is my number one principle that I have to practice each and every day because I am so guilty of having conversations with make believe people in my head, <laughs> which uh, which builds up bitterness and anger and very unhealthy thoughts. So it's just awesome. I'm so glad you're you're giving away this book today. So if you want to get a copy of this book, think about what you think about by Mary Welsh. will call into the studio line eight five five two six five twenty nine twenty nine, and you got to remember, you got to read. Read this book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, I'm going to let you and Martha run with this conversation, Mary, but let me just lay it up this way. Obviously, in our culture, in our society, we have lots of people. Who are the, the, the phones are ringing off the hook. Todd's having a hard time balancing everything. He's a man. He can't multitask. Hang yes, on. He can. He's good at it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Make sure you don't get to miss that other one, Todd. Okay, so, Mary. Um, Inappropriate workplace relationships are happening all over the place. Christians, non-Christians, Christians with non-Christians. It's it's a plague, really. It's a plague that it, that is impacting our church in so many ways. Why why is it such an issue? Well, because men and women are put together in very close working relationships. Often, you're spending many hours together on a daily basis. And uh, it doesn't take much for, uh, for us to see things in other people that, uh, that we like and appreciate and to allow, again, our thoughts to go places they should not go. And so we have to set up some very strong boundaries and principles that are never violated or else we can easily start down that slippery slope. And while it may look exciting or 
are in some way enticing, it always leads to destruction and despair, always. So that's really important that you have very strong uh, boundaries in place in your own life. So I want to talk about those boundaries, but you bring up a really good point in the fact that it's just kind of expected in a lot of workplaces that there's not even any thought given to the fact that men and women women have to work together in close um, projects or late in the evening working on something for a deadline and things like that that are just expected parts of the job where they may not even be sensitive to how that could become a problem. Yes. Um, so I think, a lo- you know, just being aware that there's a need for those boundaries is a huge place to even begin because a lot of uh, management may not even see that as an issue and not understand it at all. Um, so what are the what are some of those boundaries that you recommend for um, being able to have a healthy relationship with coworkers? Well, there were a few things that I was always careful to do. And one was uh, I'm a single woman working with married men. Uh, I wanted their wives to know that they had nothing to fear. They, the, there was no issue here. And so I always talked to the men about their family and about their wives, and when I had a chance, I, I would, would meet their wives and get to know them and just to make sure that they knew uh, they had nothing to worry about and to, and to make sure the man knew by the conversation that I had that I saw him as a married man and a family man and and that's the way I always intended to see him. Secondly, uh, something that often can happen is one, a man or a woman, it can work both ways, can start talking to this coworker about their marriage. You know, they're having a problem. My wife doesn't understand me. My husband doesn't treat me right. And, uh, and so out of concern or compassion, we might start to listen and even talk about it. But the rule should be never, never, never get into those get into those conversations. If the other person wants to talk to you, unless it's a woman to a woman or a man to a man, if the other person wants to talk to you about their troubled marriage, you are not the one that they should talk to, and you should immediately direct them to some other place, some other person that would be appropriate. And I think many of these affairs and relationships that go wrong start out with people just trying to be a good friend or listen or whatever. And uh, that's, so are that's you a saying, boundary you shouldn't cross. So you are you saying actually have that conversation with a coworker if it, yeah. if that were to come up and say, listen, you know, I really respect you and I'm sorry that you're struggling with these things, but I don't want to be that shoulder for you to cry on. Exactly. And exactly. tell them why. And don't and don't mince words. I mean, you can mm-hmm. be kind about it, but make sure it's a very clear boundary. You said, mm. you know, I am not the right person for you to speak with. I suggest you talk with, you know, whoever might, but it's not me. Mm. You know, and that's something you really have to think about ahead of time. So you do. that's really good advice as far as setting a boundary. And you know, even if you're Say, let's say you're a happily married person. You, you, mm-hmm. Your marriage is not falling apart. You can still be attracted to someone else. Sure. And to start seeing things about them that you like and maybe comparing them to your husband or your wife and thinking, well, I wish my wife was like this or my husband was like that. And that's when you're in the danger zone. That's when you have to say either I can change my thought life and not allow this to happen, or if I can't, if I cannot control these thoughts, then I need to get out of this job or out of somehow, 
remove myself from this potential harm. Hmm. Well, that that's uh, those are good things to think about. What about even the situation where you get called into a situation where you have to go to lunch with um, a person that maybe you haven't even set up those boundaries with, but you know that it's going to be a one-on-one man and woman uh, type of lunch. Just what are some of the boundaries you can have even in a lunch relationship? Well, I really don't think there's a hard and fast rule here mm-hmm. because I know that I have gone to many business-type luncheons with other men, with, with men, where there was absolutely no problem. Right. I, maybe I'm a good bit older than them or, you know, there's just no question that there's any problem, I and mean, we truly are going to lunch for, for business reasons. But if there's any any question about it or any concern about it, just bring somebody else along uh, with you. Um, I remember once when I first started in sales with IBM, uh, and this was back when women in sales was kind of a rare thing, and, and my boss had told me that I would probably get a lot of men making passes at me and and it wasn't happening so i remember telling one day you know it, this doesn't happen to me and he said mira you make it so obvious that you're in there to do business that these men just get the message right away all right we've been talking with mary welshall president of the christian working women woman radio ministry it's not women it's woman so if you're looking at it online it's christianworkingwoman.org All right, if you want to participate in today's discussion or ask Mary or Martha a question, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929, or you can text us, 727-487-9863. All right, Mary, you were just before the break starting to talk about your time at IBM and how your boss was warning you, hey, these guys may flirt with you, and I'm a... You know, going back, I know how long ago that was. That was an all-men's world. They wore blue suits, white shirts, red ties, no exceptions. And you got to be a woman in a very man's world back in those days. So how did, I mean, I, I, I'm a compu- I've got a computer programming degree. I applied at IBM in the mid-'80s. I know what that world was like. It was an all-men's world still in the mid-'80s. So talk, yes. talk about that experience. It was an all-men's world, and it was a very prestigious job, actually. But I was the first female sales rep any of my customers had ever seen, at least from IBM. And um, so, you know, I was led to believe that this was going to cause some issues and some people would be uh, sort of aggressive, and I needed to watch out for it, and it just wasn't happening, and my, and my boss said, well, Mary, you just make it so obvious you're in there for one reason, and that's to get an order. Now, I, you know, it was all about body language and the conversation I had and my, and, and just that's really what I was there for. I needed to make my quota and sell, sell stuff. So we can do a lot by communicating through, our, through the conversations we have, the things we avoid talking about, as well as uh, body language and facial expressions. We can make a strong communication that you know we're we're not going down that path. We are we are women of integrity, and uh, we're not looking for any kind of illicit relationship. And, and I think we can just do a lot by by being very careful in those areas. Sure, and sometimes that's not even verbal. I'm, I'm I can imagine that a lot of that is in the nonverbal, how you dress, how yeah. you approach them, because you. From the little time we've talked with you, you're a very nice person. So I'm sure you were still very nice with those people, mm-hmm. but not going over that line. Yeah. 
I hope so. I, I, I meant to be, but I truly had one goal in mind, and that was to get my to get an order, and I, I guess, you know, that was pretty obvious. So we just need to be careful about the messages we're sending, and I think today, far more than back then, women have to be careful how they dress, because the dress codes have have really changed over the years, so that, you know, tight clothes and, and all of those things are are acceptable, and yet they can also be a strong distraction in on the job. Speaking from a man's perspective, that's true. Yes. You know, I wanted you to go back to, the, you talked about business lunches and how you had many business lunches with, with other men, uh, but that's a different that's a different deal. I always, whenever I'm having a business lunch with another woman, Martha always knows where I am so that in case somebody sees me, because I'm in a community of a million people, but you'd be surprised at how small it is. And, and so I always make sure that she knows where I'm at, who I'm with. But business dinners and drinks involved with business dinners really change the tone yes. of, of food. So how did you handle that? Because you were selling hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment, being IBM equipment, you know, mainframe sales. They, I'm sure you had many business dinners as well. So how did you handle the dynamic of a business dinner as opposed to a business lunch? Well, most of those were in the context of IBM events and, and meeting up with other IBMers and having you know business meetings that went into the evening and also included dinner. And so that almost always includes uh, alcoholic beverages, and often people lose their inhibitions when they've had a few too many drinks. And so, I just think you have to you have to go into it again with very clear boundaries. And you know when you have to leave. You know when it's time to say, you know, I'm not going to stay any longer. It's time for me to go. And you may be the first one to leave, um, or you may, if you have the option, just say, you know what, I, I don't think I need to go out for dinner tonight. I, I need to get on home. When you know that the environment is not going to be uh, conducive and uh, not going to be everything it should be, could be, you know, could, could get into some areas where you just don't want to be there. You know, it's much better to avoid it. And again, thinking ahead about those situations before you get into them can really probably save you a lot of heartache in the long run. Well, we have some exciting news, the fact that we've given away both copies of your book. And I That's think right. we got Kate from Seminole and Starling from Val Rico got both yes. the books. So we're so thankful that they both called in. And I think that really speaks to the fact that women may be very hungry to learn more um, about what you have to say, and specifically that book topic as well. But um, I know I've been getting your emails. I guess I don't know if you call it a blog or what, but I signed up for that on your website. And so I want you to tell people about that. And just one comment that I have is that you do write very practical information, but yet in such a way that I feel like, yet this is worth my time to read it, and this is something that I can take a nugget from and apply to my day. So you want to tell everybody real quick how they could sign up for that as well? I would, and thank you very much. Uh, You just go to christianworkingwoman.org, and you will see uh, where you can sign up to receive a daily, Monday through Friday, an an email that's short. It's it's really a transcript of my little daily program that I do, which is a three-minute program. And uh, each week I cover a different topic, and so um, it just automatically will come early in the morning to your to your uh, computer, and it's there, and you can start your day with a little short devotional that is, you know, relative and practical to to your job. So 
we love to send us out. We send out thousands every day. So we'd love to have others join us. That's ChristianWorkingWoman.org. That's great. So I hope that people will sign up for that because I know I've really gained some information from that as well, and I really appreciate that. And we'll put that link in our Facebook tonight. Sure, we can do Super. that. Super. <laughs> so let's talk about um, what it's like um, with having women in leadership over men. Mm. I know that that's something, especially with strong personalities or women that are very driven, they may be put in a position where they're in leadership over men. And um, what are some healthy ways that a woman can be in that role? Well, this is becoming more and more common, and women are rising into into, uh, roles in business where they are the managers, they are the top people. And I think it's becoming less and less of an issue, but still, problems can arise. And I can just uh, tell you some of the things I've seen women do uh, as they get into positions of authority. Either they are kind of intimidated and don't want to come across as pushy or, you know, the the pushy broad image. <laughs> so they back away and they're too nice and too easy and too accommodating so that they're not even doing their supervisory job well, or they take the other extreme and go overboard and try to to be like men, so to speak, and to be ex- extra tough as though, you know, just because I'm a woman, you're not going to get by with anything. And, and neither of those extremes, of course, are helpful. I always say, you know, God has given each of us individual personalities, and the thing you need to be is to be yourself, be who you are. But if you're a manager, you have to manage people, and you have to confront people. And you have to demand performance, et cetera, et cetera. And so if God's put you as a woman in a position like that, you need to do that job and do it well. We are to always speak the truth with love. We are to be caring and compassionate. But at the same time, uh, the job is to make sure that certain things are done, that performance is done and it's done well. I know uh, a lot of people have trouble finding that balance as a Christian manager of being too demanding, and yet um, they want to make sure the job gets done right, and they have to be demanding to a certain degree. I think of a friend of mine who was a a manager at UPS, and he was managing uh, guys who were out driving the trucks, etc., and, you know, he had to hold them to a standard, Mm -hmm. but yet they came to know that he really cared about them and their families. And when he left to go into the ministry, actually, for the first time ever, uh, these tough guys held, had a party for him and told him how much they appreciated him. He didn't, he didn't compromise the standards of getting the job done, but he also just showed compassion and caring toward the people that worked for him. And I think as Christians, we, whether you're a man or a woman, you have to find that right spot as a manager where you do the job well, but you still show Christian love and sympathy and empathy. It's not always easy. But the, there's there's a danger in that that I see because a lot of men, certainly men with wrong minded, wrong centered minded, that will see that compassion that their female boss is expressing towards them, see that you know that love, you know per se, uh, and misinterpret. Uh, uh, you know, misinterpret actions uh, just because men are you know men's minds don't work you know 
as logically as women's minds. Our, our minds just we think we think very differently. And when female men relationships are in there, they always get twisted around. Mary, be, before the break, we were talking about how sometimes men will misinterpret the signals coming from a woman boss when she's showing compassion uh, and mercy and maybe even grace uh, to her co to her employees. And, and how do you how do you deal with that? Well, it takes wisdom. Uh, you know, one of the things that I pray every day, I'm sure most, most you probably do also, is for wisdom. We need such wisdom in issues like this. How do I uh, show a compassionate heart without sending wrong signals? And I think every relationship would be different. Uh, when I was younger, I had to be far more careful about those things. Uh, so age has a, has a, plays a role in, in your decision-making. Uh, but I think it drives us to our knees to ask God every particular situation, give me wisdom to know what I should say, what I should not say, how do I deal with this person, how do I deal with this situation, um, because everyone will be different. But um, I do think we have to be cautious. We have to be, we women have to be aware that men interpret things differently than we think they do. Yeah, we think very differently <laughs> than women do. Yeah. There's no question. There's no question. God created us different. Our brains actually are created differently, and and it's good. It's all good. But uh, if we don't understand that as women, and we think men are going to respond and react the way we do, uh, we make a lot of mistakes. I, I really see that as a key factor. I've been in a man's world so long since my beginning career with IBM uh, that I've learned, you know, how men relate to each other is so different than how women relate to each other. I mean, men relate to each other by beating each other up, you know. <laughs> Smacking each other upside the head. That's exactly. A, that's a sign of love. Exactly. They bond that way. They make fun of each other. They they roast each other. Well, don't try that with a bunch of women. That's not going to work. But we women, we're, we need to understand that and not respond to it incorrectly and not take things personally that are meant to be a joke. I was thinking yesterday in our staff meeting at church, they were teasing me about something, and as I walked out the room, one of the past young pastors said to me, you take that teasing really well. Well, I thought, you know, I'm used to it. I know they don't mean any harm by it. I don't take it personally, and it's fun. But a lot of women haven't gotten there yet, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they'll go home and analyze it and mm -hmm. look in the mirror and think, did they really mm -hmm. mean what they said? And yeah. Yeah, take it all personal. Well, I know I was talking to Jim during the break and saying when we were talking about the um, – worrying about if a man, you know, if a woman is showing some grace to um, some somebody who works underneath them, how they might misinterpret that. And I said, it really goes back to what you said earlier about boundaries and thinking ahead of time about how you are going to have that relationship with your mm -hmm. coworkers, your subordinates, um, and those around you, even your, you know, same level of management or whatever, so that you are prepared with a, a they already know you as a person so they they know what your intentions are and i think mm -hmm. that that goes a long way but if it's something that nobody's ever thought of before mm -hmm. um you know starting new and setting up those boundaries may take a little bit of um work to get 
to get everybody on the same page. Well, and I and you made a comment about you know sometimes age really matters, but really in today's world, age doesn't matter because there's a lot of women who never had great fathers, and so they love chasing after the father figure. Well, and there's a lot true. of there's a lot of boys who never had moms, and they chase after the mother figure. And you have those women for some reason they call them cougars or something like that that chase after the young men or what. I mean, it just <laughs> there's age really doesn't matter anymore. So it's setting those boundaries up regardless is important. That's true. That's right. So you had you had commented about praying in those situations for wisdom, and you also um, had made some comments about praying for specifically for people that have given you the most trouble mm-hmm. in um, in how that is the smartest thing that you can do. If you want to expand on that just a little bit more, yeah, uh, and it's still true now that I have to practice this. But I remember working for a man who was very very difficult and uh, and just left me in tears many days and mm. and I just thought I, I got to get out of this job this is not fair I don't deserve this kind of treatment and finally I stopped feeling sorry for myself long enough to say god why do you have me in this job working for this man surely this is not where you want me to be and and god just revealed to me yeah it's absolutely where I want you to be and I'm all about changing you and I began to pray the prayer that changed everything lord help me see this man the way you see him mm-hmm. I want to see him through your eyes and I have to tell you the truth, the very next day, I saw him totally differently. I went into the same meetings and got the same treatment and heard the same bombastic way he dealt with everything. And I looked at him and felt so sorry for him. I thought, poor man, he doesn't know the Lord. He's insecure. I saw things about him I had never seen before. He's insecure. He has to prove he's he's in charge poor man i just felt sorry for him and that's what god calls compassion you know and it all happened because i finally said lord why do you have me here working for this man and then i prayed let me see him the way you see him and god totally changed my attitude toward him i I had to pray it a lot because he didn't change Mm -hmm. but um but that that's where that's the first place to go when you're dealing with someone who's difficult, whether it's on the job or anywhere. Lord, help me see this person the way you see them. What's behind their action? What causes them to behave the way they do? Give me a perspective that I don't have. And God will do that. You'll see things you never, ever saw before. He will. And that's something we've been talking about a lot lately as far as prayer changes us mm-hmm. um, because we want to be more like Christ and, and see the world the way he sees it. So, Mary, we don't have a lot of time left, but I really want you to touch on sexual harassment because that's something that, that really men and women both experience in the workplace today. In, in two minutes or less, can mm-hmm. you define define how, just, just talk about what people should do in the event of a couple of instances. I mean, just describe it a little bit. Well, if you feel as a woman that a man is coming on to you and saying inappropriate things, maybe telling inappropriate jokes and things like that, the first thing you do is very, very quickly and very firmly say, just excuse me, but that is not acceptable and I don't accept it. So try to resolve it between you and that person by making it very clear that you see this as very inappropriate behavior and you are not going to allow it to happen. If it continues, then, of course, there comes a point, if it's really, you know, really offensive, that you have to go above his head. But hopefully that's not necessary. People are pretty sensitive to this nowadays. There have been so many, you know, harassment laws and and cases brought in court that most people are pretty sensitive to it. Um, but 
uh, on the other hand, I feel sorry for the guys sometimes because they feel like if they say, you look nice today, that women are going to read something into it, and they can't even, you know, say give a, give a compliment. So there's, a, again, a fine line there. But sexual harassment is more undercover and under the radar than it used to be. I think it still exists, but it's not as... Uh, it's not as acceptable as it used to be. It's not put up with like it used to be because the, illegally it's just a problem for companies who allow it. So uh, I don't think it's quite the problem it used to be except that it's, it is undercover now. And you just, again, you have to be be willing to stand up and lose your job if you have to, but stand up and say, I'm not, you, you cannot treat me that way. I don't listen to that kind of talk. I you know, making sure they understand where your boundaries are. Very powerful. All right, and tomorrow night show, you're coming back, and we're going to talk about the superwoman complex, and I'm very excited about that. So tomorrow night again on tomorrow night's I Work For Him show, Mary Welsh will be joining us again talking about the superwoman complex. And my wife suffers from that. My sister suffers from that. I know my mom has some issues with superwoman complex. So everybody in my life, I know my daughter does too, everybody in my life needs to hear the show. So make Make sure you tune in tomorrow night to the I Work For Him show to to hear more from Mary and Martha talking about the superwoman complex. We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.